Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. And I'm joined by Corey DLG, my co-host and producer, Nico. We have a lot to get to today, plenty to talk about. I can't believe that we are already getting ready for Thanksgiving games. Where did the season go, guys? Uh, well, for us, mostly the toilet. Um, it hasn't really been a great <laughs> year, but it's, it has gone by remarkably quick or perhaps mercifully quick. Or perhaps gently, quickly. I think mercifully quick is probably the one. <laughs> I mean, any I think sort it's of, I think it's a mercy that it's flyby. Yeah, any sort of kind adjective you could put in front of a fast word, um, pretty much describes how the season's gone so far for us, time wise. It has flown by though, and now we're we're getting ready for Thanksgiving games. We've got all the teams playing. It's going to be a great weekend of football. If you enjoy football in general, it'll be maybe not so much for the Texans. But before they get to the game, Corey, it sounds like they have deci- some decisions to make. I know that let, – let's let's play this out from the last couple of days because over the last few days, a lot has happened. You have the weird press conference after the game from Lovey Smith. I want to get to that first before we touch on the potential – quarterback change I don't know we'll get into that in a second but first you have Lovey Smith coming out and talking about after the game he said that they need to put a better product on the field and then one of the reporters asked him why weren't you able to do that and he said he didn't want to that week essentially I'm paraphrasing there but that's essentially what he says he didn't want to uh this game uh, yeah I... weird is that weird is that tank adjacent what what does that even mean so i think it was sarcastic i don't know lovey smith at all as a human being i've never even been within 100 yards of him that i know of um i don't know anything about him as a person he appears to be always calm and very dry in his delivery of things and i think listen every nfl head coach genuinely appears to hate answering questions from the media it it seems to be one step below cleaning the restrooms like on the list of things that is their responsibility like they're like after i do everything else i guess i'll talk to the media i really don't want to um and i think that's a little bit of a mistake tactically i think the coaches who are friendlier with the media probably have an easier time uh the coach in miami who kind of jokes with the media i feel like it, when they hit a hard run of games i bet the media is a little nicer to him because he he's been he hasn't been so adversarial with them uh i think lovey smith though has just been a little dry i think that's all it was i think i don't believe first listen organizationally i believe the texans want to lose right now i do believe that however i don't believe they're telling lovey smith lose us games i just believe that they know their roster isn't talented enough to really win games and a lot of our games are sort of playing out like college football games right now where the 
five A school is visiting the team that pays them a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like when Alabama plays, you know, two A, uh, who who Appalachian State, and when they're playing Appalachian State for the first half, it's only like a seven three game, and everyone's like, man, Alabama's really struggling here. But all they're really trying to do is just figure the other team out figure out where they're putting their guys defensively, putting where they're putting them offensively. And then in the third quarter, Alabama explodes for 40 points, benches their starters, and Appalachian State's looking around going, what happened? Um, I, that's kind of what's happening to the Texans, is our, teams aren't, our team isn't good enough on the field to win these games. They're good enough to stay competitive through these games. Uh, and so I think he's frustrated. I don't think any head coach ever wants to be 1-8-1. and one. So I think at the press conference when they were asked, why didn't you put the better product on the field? What Levy Smith was doing was going up there and saying, listen, I, I, I'm struggling right now because the team's not great and I don't know what else to do to make us better right now. And the press's response was, well, why didn't you make us better? And so I think he was frustrated. I think that was all that kind of really was. Would it be the, I guess... The stuff with Miami kind of casts a different light on this, but would it be the worst thing in the world for a coach to just say, hey, you know what? We're bad. And right now it's about evaluating the young guys, not about winning and getting a the first pick. They still have a, a lock on the first overall pick right now do the Houston Texans. Getting the first pick and figuring out who the quarterback is uh, or figuring just getting in new talent is really important and figuring out the talent we have is really important. Is that the worst thing in the world? I, I know that coaches get fined for this type of thing, but also you talk about that honesty and that transparency that maybe is helpful when you're managing a, a poor situation. Is it the, is it the worst thing in the world to be less cryptic and more honest? I, it's a tough, it's a tough, kind of needle to thread there you really got to kind of navigate it particularly because there's going to be a lot of questions because lovey smith was in charge of helping cut players and make final roster decisions and things of that nature so there's going to be a lot of if you if if (laughs) i mean we're in week 12 right so like we're, we're coming into week 12 if at week 12 so not much past halfway in the season you're already going listen we're here to evaluate the young guys the rest of the season doesn't matter it is what it is there's a lot of people who paid a lot of money to come watch the Texans play. There's a lot of people who are spending a lot of money in the stadium to watch the Texans play. There's a lot of people who, you know, this season will determine if they watch next season or if they're a fan next season, that kind of thing. And for those people, it almost doesn't matter. There'd be, it's a really hard way to deliver that in a way that means anything. Now, listen, if it's week 15 – and you're like, look, we're out of the playoffs. We're we we're basically a lock for the number one pick. We're gonna go out there and, and compete and see who wants to perform and see if we can, you know, spoil someone's day these last couple weeks. I feel like that's a different thing. But this early in a season, this is a speech he could have given week two, you know. Um, but nobody, <laughs> I mean, realistically, they were never competing for anything. You and I, when we were forecasting the season, weren't like, hey, we got a puncher's chance, you know. Um, I said the division was going to be a mess, but I still didn't. I still didn't like our chances. Uh, but weirdly enough, week I think four, we were still in the middle of everything, and I was like, well, I guess if we keep winning, but obviously that didn't happen. So I don't. You would like some honesty. 
you can't have too much. And partly that thing in Miami does kind of make it impossible. Because if you are accidentally honest in this situation, you could potentially cost the NFL and some of these teams a lot of money and draft picks and things of that nature. Because part of this whole thing is everyone is in this together and everyone's agreeing to be competitive. It's not quite like the NBA where some of the owners are okay with the idea of some teams being bad on purpose. Yeah, and I mean, the owners would probably the NBA be more made bad. steps to. Well, the NBA made steps to try and curb that too, right? And so, like, clearly, not everybody was on board. And I'm not saying he should come out and just be like, "Guess what? We want to lose. Losing is better. We're tanking this season." But maybe just going out there and saying, "Hey, you know what? The best product we can put on the field is." A losing one is evaluating <laughs> those young guys and is seeing how good those young guys can be. That said, I mean, it's not like in that last game they were getting Damian Pierce the the ball a ton. It's I uh, well his it did feel like that game was kind of in cruise control for a large part for both of those teams. Honestly, well his care his and his so, average was was terrible. I mean that was the problem. He didn't. I don't think he crossed the line of scrimmage in about half of the run plays. So I think. They gave up running the ball simply because they weren't running the ball. Um, it was it was rough. It was a rough game. Uh, it, we got outmatched, and it, Kenyon Green and Laramie Tunsil looked like they forgot how to play football for a game. Honestly, the pressure was coming from everywhere. Um, sometimes they would put six guys on the line, and I was watching, and I was going, "Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure where the pressure is going to come from on this play." And then only four guys would rush, and somehow we would lose one of them. And like Davis Mills has a second and a half to throw, and I was like, "Well, that that was bad." Um, it it was a rough it was a rough game preparation wise for the Texans, um, which is odd because I don't think the Commanders do a lot that's all that exotic. I think they just kind of overpower you. Well, and speaking of Davis Mills, that brings us to later in the week, coming off of Sunday, where now all of a sudden we have conversations about maybe a potential quarterback change swirling around this team. Now, I don't know if you guys have done any research or you listeners have done any research out there on who the the backup (laughs) is for the Texans, (laughs) but that would mean throwing in Kyle Allen into the, the starting role is what, what can you honestly expect from Kyle Allen? That would be different from Davis Mills? Uh, well, he's got a different set of skills uh, quarterback-wise. Where Davis Mills seems to excel throwing down the seam and in 20 yards downfield that seems to be Davis Mills' strengths. And Davis Mills' weaknesses seem to be those short outlet throws, those ones between the hash marks and the sidelines within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He really struggles in those two cubes, those two rectangles there. Kyle Allen is sort of... I don't recall him having the strongest arm, but I do recall him being a quick decision maker and efficient with where he put it. So he should be able to hit those throws to those outsides a little bit better. Uh, But I think the problem is size-wise, he's a little bit smaller than Davis Mills. Um, Davis Mills, even though he's not athletic by any measure, you know, he did actually, you know, come out of the pocket once or twice in this, in this commander's game. Um, People I think people have been in his ear to do that a little bit more. I think Kyle Allen probably has that particular club in his golf bag. He can come out of the pocket a little bit, which maybe does help us a little bit. 
but I don't I don't remember the ceiling on him. Like, I don't remember anyone ever saying, like, Kyle Allen ha- has potential to be the guy. You know what I mean? And so if Davis Mills beat him in camp, then I think this is about as good as it gets. Well, and I don't, I don't think that they're looking for Kyle Allen to be the guy either. I think the guy is in the 2023 draft, right? Uh, I But we do have this clear kind of change in attitude from uh, the week before Lovey Smith saying that it's not time to consider making a quarterback change to now after you have five first half yards in a game against the commanders. Now maybe you're going into this week saying uh, maybe we give the other guy some reps, take a look at him and and see if he can do anything different just to get some life in this offense uh, a little bit. I, I don't think that there's any, there's any scenario where they come out of this next game against the Dolphins and say, you know what? Maybe we accidentally found our quarterback of the future on the roster. I don't think that's going to happen. But it looks like they might just be trying to inject some sort of life into that offense. For Kyle Allen's stats for his career, uh, he averages over four seasons. He played on the Carolina Panthers and uh, Washington he has averaged over his career a 63.1% completion rate. He has had 4,300 yards, 24 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Uh, his yard after catch average is 10.9. His yard per attempt is 6.9. Uh, I don't know. It's... He, he's a career backup, and he's taken over for a guy in Davis Mills who will likely be a career backup. I feel like <laughs> expecting <laughs> – I'm just being honest. Expecting too much of anything other than maybe what you saw from other games, what you got from Davis Mills in games like, I don't know, the, the game against the Colts or the game against maybe the Giants, stuff like that. I feel like that's probably what you're going to get from Kyle Allen because it's two backups who are getting thrust potentially in Kyle Allen's case into starting roles. I don't, I don't see much of any difference. Maybe you're just trying to shake the snow globe a little bit to get a little different result, but it's going to be relatively the same. I think. Yeah. I, I honestly, you know, so part of all these conversations that have been happening, um, you know, the receiving core is not good. You know, Nico Collins is worse this year than he was last year, I feel like. Brandon Cooks is massively underperforming even before the temper tantrum. Um, I don't the, – we're getting nothing out of the tight end position. So, I, I don't know – Chris Moore is at best a third receiver? It, it, a third receiver, yeah, on like six of the worst teams in the NFL, and that's about it. Um, I don't know – there's no quick answer. That's the and that's the honesty. Is it, what Lovey Smith probably should have said at the press conference is, "Why did you put a better product on the field?" Is right now all I can do is keep moving the deck chairs around. Okay, like, I you want to see Kyle Allen? I'll show you Kyle Allen for a couple of games. You're not going to be any happier with the results though, and and part of that is because these receivers aren't doing anybody any favors. Um, there were a couple of plays where some guys were making business decisions on the field already, where they were looking for where the hits coming from instead of just catching the ball or just making the tackles, you know? So I, it's starting to creep in. The losing is starting to show on the field. And I think that that's probably, probably the hardest part of Lovey Smith's job is to keep this team motivated 
so that we could keep properly evaluating and keeping everybody healthy. Because when teams are playing spirited and at full speed, people get hurt less. If you start trying to pull up short and not not get hurt, that's when you get hurt in the NFL, uh, at least according to players. I've never played. I don't know. Uh, but every player in the world will tell you, if you don't mean to be out there, don't be out there. So I, I don't – Well, and that's the thing, though, that we knew coming into this season was keeping the same intensity throughout 18 weeks, right? Because we knew this team wasn't going to be awesome. Even in the summer, we knew this team wasn't going to be awesome and we knew there was going to be a lot of losses on the schedule. And so that was going to be the struggle. We're at the point where now it starts to be you're not staying competitive in these games. You're not really pushing a team to put you away in the fourth quarter. These games are done in the first half. And so that's when this is the hardest part of Lovey Smith's job this next month of grinding through these games where they're not really in these games is going to be tough. I don't, and, and there's no, I mean, this is where you're stuck, right? Cause there is no good answer for it. There's not like, yeah, you guys have lost, I think what six in a row. Cause we were what one, two and one. So now we've lost six in a row and we're staring down the barrel of, you know, seven more really tough games. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, there's no good answers. Uh, you better be up and ready for that Dallas game or the city of Houston will eat you alive. Uh, that might be the one pothole that could cost Lovey Smith his job. If if they go out and lay an egg on some sort of... I, I don't know if that game is primetime or not. Um, I hope to God it's not at this point. No, that's that's a new okay, game. Thank God. They, are, they are locked into noon games until the Colts-Texans game at the end of the year which is still a to-be-determined time, okay. but they are locked into new games the rest of the Thank year. God. Uh, if, that is a, if that is a game that is out of hand by middle first quarter, you know, we go three and out four times or something, and, and they put up two touchdowns and a field goal, and we're staring 17-0 in the face, like with five minutes left in the first quarter or something, that could I could easily see like the press conference being the last time we see Lovey Smith with Texans logos behind him. Um be- I don't know the he, the Dallas Cowboys just dunked on an eight and one. That is team. that is irrelevant. The Dallas Cowboys are very up down to make them eight and two. Yeah, I know, right? But that's the thing; they're very up down. The, the Cowboys, and it's really the only kind of game that matters. Honestly, we've already said it on here. Nico and I have said it already multiple times. That's the last game that that the Deshaun Watson game are the only two games that matter on the schedule anymore. Um, so, but but you just said it. The lack of talent on this roster. Matter. People want to put blame somewhere. I would not. I would not put blame at the feet of Lovey Smith or Hamilton for any of this stuff. Like, what are you supposed to scheme up when you have such a talent deficient offense and you're having such trouble creating explosive plays? And there are games where it does look like the offensive line that showed up against the Commanders is going to get absolutely torched by the defensive line of the Dallas team that showed up against the, the Vikings. No, it's going to be a disaster. You're right. Now, here's the thing, though. You've got to find a way to get the offensive line that showed up uh, against, you know, a couple of these other, other teams where, where you know, uh, Damian Pierce had 120 yards or whatever it was, you know? you got to get him to show up for those games where he was averaging six yards a carry. you gotta, you got to re-motivate him. Because you're right. If if what happened last week happens in those games, it's going to be real, real bad. The, in the Browns game too. Um, those are the only two games that matter. You you you've got to go out there and maybe not win, 
but you've got to really you got to really lay out some good tape on those two games um because those are going to be the two games the fandom is paying attention to the i think everyone on some level acknowledges that we're not we're not going to keep winning uh, you know but those are two games that are just too important to the like the core of what is a Houston Texan to to let the Commanders game be the result for those games. I think that if you're the Texans, the only reason that you start Kyle Allen is if you think it gives you a better shot to get an idea of how this offensive line, some of these young offensive line pieces look, uh, or if you think it gives you a better idea of how Damian Pierce looks in some of these games, that's the only reason to switch it up because I think this is just one of those, you know how you have the burn the tapes games? Yeah. I think this is a burn the tape season. Uh, <laughs> I think it's honestly. I think it's. Uh, no, I don't want to go that far because there's a lot of there's a lot in the games that's been good. Um, we've been complimentary about a lot of stuff because there's a lot of good stuff to get out of it. Once you accept that this isn't a good season for results, like win losses, the the, the development of Stingley Jr. has been great. Uh, Petre has been slipping the last couple weeks. Um, but I think that that's simply because defenses have now accepted that he's not a normal rookie and now they're challenging him with hard, harder choices on the field. Um, Damian Pierce, you know, he can only go as far as guys like Kenyon Green and Laramie Tunsil are willing to block for him. Uh, but on the good days, he fights and gets you the extra yard and a half. So, you know, there are highlights to this that are still worth watching and talking about. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a burn the record year. I don't know that I would burn all the film. I think there's plenty of good tape. There's also plenty of tape that kind of exhibit A and exhibit B is kind of a lot of stuff. You know, Brandon Cook is, isn't he guaranteed what 18 million next year? Is that correct? Am I wrong? Yeah. Guaranteed 18 million next year. Uh, I think it's still justified cutting him and just giving him the money to not be here. Um, Here's your check. Go, go I think be a crybaby somewhere I think else. the season confirmed a lot of what we knew before. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Like, like I didn't – I know that the hype was, was high, and so in hindsight is 2020, but I'm serious. If you watched him in Florida, you knew Damian Pierce was going to be good. This is just confirming it. We, we knew Damian Pierce was going to be good. Derek Stingley Jr., I get he's had some lumps – He's had the missed tackles, but Derek Stingley Jr. is good. Jalen Petrie, he was good in college and is just confirming what people you could say hope for, were hoping for, or people suspected beforehand, but it was just confirming stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it's just uh, just get the season through, get to the draft. That's that's the focus for, for this year, and I'm not – I'm not firing Lovey Smith if they get blown out by by the Cowboys. I get what you're saying about that's going to be the hardest Houston one. and the pride of yeah, it. Yeah, that's going to be the hardest but... one to defend to the fandom and to everybody else. If they if they lose that game, that's going to be the one where the most pressure is on ownership. You know, where the gallery furnitures and the other sponsors are really leaning on them to go, "Hey man, like you're letting Houston down here." Uh, you know, so I. I I don't know that it's automatic. I do think it would be hard for him to. He'd have to really kind of do some, some, some solid lip service to get out of losing that one. 
And if I was Lovey Smith, I'd say, "Hey, look at what these, look at what other Houston teams have done. Look at after bad performances when you bring in and then you le- let a coach hang around, and all of a sudden you bring in uh, like a Matt Schaub and Arian Foster, and then you turn that around, or then the team gets takes a nosedive, and then dra- a couple drafts happen. You're bringing guys like Deshaun Watson, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs again." No, I totally agree. Give me a couple of drafts yeah. to stack up the talent. Houston has done this before, and if you leave the coach in and the system in, I, I'm sure that they could do it again. No, and, I, and I'm with you on that. I do think, and I think Lovey Smith is just worlds better than David Colley was, and I think that's why they made the change. Um, you know, David Colley just had so many, you would leave games, not only losing, but you would leave games questioning coaching decisions. Not I mean personnel wise. I mean literally like in game. Why did we decline this penalty? Why did we take that one? Why are we kicking a field goal here? Why did we punt to then fake punt? You know what I mean? Like he would he would just do things where you were in game going, what did we just do? Um, and Lovey Smith hasn't had that. Uh, there's been one time that I really kind of circled where, and it was it was very just it's mechanically wrong. Um. But it was it was what it was. It was second down with a minute to go. I think this was two weeks ago. And they just the offense just walks off the field and the field goal unit walks on the field and it takes a solid thirty eight seconds for them to kick the field goal. It didn't matter. We were down we were down ten. We needed the field goal. We needed the onside kick to recover and to score the touchdown. We were thirty five yards out and we just left the clock running while we swapped units. And that was the only time where I was like, okay, we'll spike the ball, still have 40-plus seconds left, kick the field goal, and then, you know, at least pretend like you have a shot at winning the game. You know what I mean? But other than that one time, uh, Levy Smith has been in-game mechanically sound as far as what he's doing with the clock. So in that regard, I think he's just, I think he is a better coach to lead a rebuild through its completion. Nico, what do you, if is there any point in this season that would make you want to fire Lovey Smith? Uh, not really. Other than him, his his rather weak responses to the media have not made painted him to be very confident. Like when people are like, "Hey, why does our offense sucks?" and he just goes, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, it's not a helpful answer, right? Like that's not going to get you any fans. Yeah, so it's it's hard for me to be like, "Oh, that that's a guy that like." bestows confidence in us so i mean other than that i mean i'm pretty positive on him because i think he's made a lot of good decisions outside of that that really pull through i think when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Guys, it's been a good debate. We'll see what happens throughout the next couple of days, what they truly are looking at before we head into the weekend. At quarterback, we'll have a show coming later that week. Later this week, excuse me, that'll dive into all that. I want to talk about, I have a question to pose you guys about Thanksgiving football. That's really the NFL headline that we should hit on before we finish out here. But first, Corey, let's hear from our sponsors. All right, guys, it's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has hundreds of hours of hands-on instruction in a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases, your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297 or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. It's time to trade in your mask for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead. Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. And also, while I've got everybody here, I want to tell everyone about the Adventure Begins Stadium. It's at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. Make sure to go to the Marcel Town Center right there on 1488. The fam- the Adventure Begins is family-friendly, uh, super clean, awesome, well It's not the, like nerd dungeon people always kind of think about when you think about comic shops or sports places and stuff like that. They're awesome. The staff is knowledgeable. When you're in a certain department, the guys who work that department know what they're talking about. They can help you out. Uh, this is where Nico and I buy our nerd stuff from all the time. Nico is always playing his little nerd card games with his buddies up there. I buy my comic books there. And, of course, the Adventure Begins Stadium is where you go to get all of your sports memorabilia and sports cards needs satisfied. This is the place to go to get all of your sports memorabilia set up and get and get it right there from the Adventure Begins Stadium at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, Conroe, Texas, 77384, at the Marcel Town Center on 1488. Thanksgiving football. Obviously, we all love to grab a plate of food, stat, pile it high with all the, all the good food, whatever your family makes, and sit on the couch and watch game after game of football. And I'm not going all-time because obviously I haven't watched every – football game that's happened on thanksgiving but i think in i know it's crazy right but i think in over the last two decades since 2000 let's go i think this might be the best top to bottom day of football that we have at least if you're looking ahead on paper this might be the best one that we've had in the last couple of decades starting out with bill's lions the lions i know not a playoff team by any stretch, at least not right now, but they are on a three-game win streak. They'll be at home against a Bills team that is trying to make a case to be the top team in the AFC. Then you have Giants-Cowboys. The NFC East 
is surprisingly the best division in football right now. And you have these two teams desperately trying to keep up with the Eagles that are both 7-3 and three playing. I get that the Giants are riddled with injuries, but they still need this game just as bad as the Cowboys. And then you close out with the Patriots-Vikings. Now, the Patriots have had a roller coaster year from their offense, but you're playing Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk Cousins. We know how bad that can be versus Bill Belichick and a Vikings team that's trying to potentially vie for a top one, two seed in the NFC. They need to keep from sliding and, and get that win just as badly as the Patriots need that win if they want to try for a playoff spot. And there's all sorts of matchups across all three of these games that's going to be wildly entertaining. These are all really important games for each one of these teams. I think this might be the best of the just top to bottom, all three games. There's no stinkers in there, I don't think, looking at it on paper. I think this might be the best full football day for Thanksgiving in the last couple of decades. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Uh, Buffalo-Detroit is probably not that exciting of a matchup. It's pretty obvious. I think Buffalo is probably heavily favored in that game. However, uh, it is fun to watch Buffalo play. They are an explosive offense, and their defense is smothering. And Detroit is one of those teams people want to like. You know, their hard knocks last year was really kind of, or this year, was really kind of interesting. It really got people's attention. Um, so I could see you know, people being excited for this team. And so, I, yeah, I agree, because that's probably the worst of the games, and there's still a lot of television drama to be had with it. Uh, Cowboys-Giants, is it's an important game for the NFL. Uh, it's an important game for the postseason stuff. It's an important game in their division, and it's an, so that, and that makes it a fun watch nationally because it's going to be two teams really trying to, to figure out. It's going to sound a little weird, but I don't think either team knows really who they are identity-wise. Or I think the Giants might feel like they do. I think they think they're. I think they know they're Saquon Barkley in defense. But Daniel Jones is really trying to establish. You know, keep in mind that both I think Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones are eligible for free agency at the end of the year. Uh, so Daniel Jones is doing everything he can to prove he belongs on this team too. Uh, and then the Cowboys, of course, are a team that are. This is their good year, which means last year was bad, and it means next year is bad. And on their good years, they're they're good enough to make the playoffs and then lose in the first round. So this is an interesting game for them. This is an, you know, the division is is hyper competitive. It's not up for grabs. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a heavyweight marathon of a dogfight. I just combined a bunch of different stupid sports analogies um, to to win that division because there are three teams that have eight wins already or seven wins. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crowded, complicated division. So, this is an important game. And then New England and Minnesota, it's, it's two well-ranked well teams as far as wins and losses. Uh, I think 6-4 and four is good enough in, that, in New England's division to, to, to be first or second, just off the top of my head. Because uh, I think the Jets are 6-4, and four, and I think Miami's had a few losses also. So... And Buffalo's what seven. Well, Miami's seven and three, and they have Buffalo at seven and three. So six and four, they can't afford. To... They're just trying for a wild card spot, honestly, well, to stay in play for and that. And they can't afford to lose anymore. Otherwise, they are out of the running. You know, because because yeah. they each they all have games against each other still. One more one more round of games against each other. So New England can't afford any more losses. And Minnesota, after getting embarrassed last week, they don't want to. They don't want to lose. Uh, one little note 
the NFL yet again uh, just being an absolute hypocrite and and a, and a liar. Um, hey, what do teams do when they win championships in every sport? What do they do in the locker room? Get rings, throw a parade in the locker room right after the game. Oh, pop champagne. Pop champagne and beer, right? Spray it all over each other. Spray the beer. Spray the champagne. Um, what do teams? What do players all talk about doing on the flight home on road games? Drinking, Drinking. having a beer or two. Um, so apparently, I don't know what team it was. I think it was the Vikings. One of their coaches got a DUI coming home from the road. No, that was the Titans. Titans. Okay, so the Titans coach got a DUI coming back from the road game. Then because of that, they went back and they and the Minnesota Vikings had posted this fun footage of Kirk Cousins celebrating wearing the chains for everyone on the team because he he like won them the game. He was like the hero of the game. So all the all his teammates gave him a gave him their chains to wear on the flight home. So he's having a good time, but there's some beer bottles in the background. So four players were named and the Minnesota Vikings had to deal with it internally. Also on a couple other clips where it's it's seen that players are drinking on NFL flights or in the locker room. The, the NFL has reached out and um, sent out a memo to remind all of the teams that there's no drinking on NFL premises uh, or in, in NFL activities, NFL events, on NFL property, or on NFL flights. Is that just total BS? Or are they, uh, is, is one of the sponsors not Budweiser? Am I missing something? What, what's happening here? Are we not uh, reasonable adults? Yeah, that was kind of a weird, a weird double standard. Obviously, the I don't know if it's like a response to the Titans thing. I've never heard of players getting fined uh, before. They didn't. Uh, they didn't publicly out what whatever the punishments were. The league, the team handled it internally and then reported to the league what they did, and the league said they were satisfied with that. Well, I'm seeing the I'm, – I'm looking it up right now. I'm seeing that uh, Bill's player was fine for grabbing a beer and, like, throwing it in his own face. Kind of like, like the popcorn the, thing? Yeah. Uh, T.O. popcorn. Again, it's, it's, first of all, is that not the greatest Budweiser commercial on the planet? Like, how is that – like, they're doing stuff for your sponsors. Also, you're letting a beer sponsor you. This is This is some of the worst PR – on this side of the FIFA World Cup mess that I've ever seen. Um, I don't understand. I, again, we, we talk about this. By the way, there was another concussion incident. Uh, Matthew Stafford. He We didn't talk about what had happened because it looks like they were handling it correctly. He got a concussion three weeks ago. or Yeah, three weeks ago he got a concussion. They held him out of the next game. They put him into the game last weekend. And he got hit again, and it came out again with another concussion. Two concussions in three weeks. And immediately, his wife issues a statement. His wife saying the NFL's got to do something about this. So, obviously, there's some internal questions about whether or not he was actually, actually cleared to play. Like, supposed to be cleared to play. So, we're still in the, like, nothing has changed, no matter how much they want to complain about it. And now they're worried about players drinking on flights. All that to say, I think this is the best thing. <laughs> I just I saw like... it all, and I, like you know me, I, the NFL drives me crazy sometimes with the, what they choose to do importantly. Because you know people are going to be drinking on Thanksgiving, and you know how many beer commercials we're going to see in these three games. 
and we're going to see Budweiser slapped everywhere. So why are we, or whoever their sponsors, I actually don't know off the top of my head. It might not be Budweiser, in which case, sorry, whoever it is. Um, but, but my question is like, my question to you, I suppose, is does this make any sense from like a PR leader? You're in media. I mean, we're media. Does this make any sense to you? It's a, it's a weird stance to have somebody grabbing like a drink from a fan and pouring it on their face, uh, in a celebratory thing, uh, and, and getting upset and finding them, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the, the thought w- process would be if they're worried about fans throwing drinks onto the field or something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure what the, uh, what the concern is, but. Uh, they they do not want they do not want players drinking anything on the field. That's or the flights, that's for sure. the locker rooms. They don't want any players uh, on the practice facility at the stadiums. In the in like just I mean it was a it's a it's a dumb policy. Corey's Corey's hot. He's got an axe to grind with the NFL. He's hot. Let's give him a lap, Nico. Do you think this is the best slate that we've had for Thanksgiving football? I feel like 2012 is maybe the only other contender, and even that had the dud Patriots-Jets game, 49-14. That one was only interesting because the butt fumble happened there, but I feel like this could be one of those where all the games are actually competitive. Right. I mean, this year has been such a honestly just such a mess and such a fun year to watch because literally nothing makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, and it's great. It's it's fantastic to watch a season like this unfold where everything is terrible and everyone is doing way worse than they should or like nowhere near projections because it means that it's going to keep the things just rolling and interesting. You know, I, this this is this is the one year where like fourth quarters have mattered the most. Like there's just a lot of individual stuff that makes it interesting. During one of the games, I can't remember what broadcast it was, but a broadcaster said that through 10 weeks there had been 116 games that at one point in the fourth quarter the teams were within a possession of each other and that was the first time that had happened in NFL history that many games through 10 weeks being that close or being within a possession in the fourth quarter at any time during the fourth quarter which is pretty crazy and that's also I don't know if that means that it's a bunch of good football or it's sloppy or whatever it means, but that means that teams are always in it, it seems. Yeah, and that's honestly the best part because, I mean, even if you're not a huge supporter of these teams, at least watching a game be competitive is way more fun than just watching a blowout. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I'm hoping for for Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> so you all don't I'm have on. to talk with the family. You can just watch football. <laughs> exactly. That's the dream. It's the American dream. You know that stat? That stat. <laughs> you visit your family and then ignore them. This is America, and I just want to watch football and shove food in my mouth and not that talk. That stat really makes me think about the Chiefs Chargers game Sunday night, where they, the Chargers basically won the game with a minute left, and the Chiefs were like, no, 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 all we need is forty seconds, and uh, went back down the field and rewon the game. Like that was. Yeah, these fourth quarters have been really important. So, and I don't, I don't remember a season being like this. And I guess statistically, that's that bears out. So that is, a, it is an interesting stat, but it, it kind of bears just how exciting these games have been down to the wire, except for that San Francisco Cardinals game. 
in front of a hundred thousand people in another country. We gave Mexico the, a horrible The Mexicans game, showed up. Not, not at very, all. The not Mexicans very neighborly up at all. Hours early. The stadium was something like sixty percent full four hours before kickoff. Like. I can't even imagine. That would have been such and a cool game to uh, have. A lot been of the stadium was like rolling San Francisco away. Like a lot of the a lot of the Hispanic community is 49ers fans apparently, and so they were they were excited to see him and they were excited to cheer for him. Um, it didn't matter because the Cardinals were just awful, awful. If we get time later this week, I, I'd love. I, we talked about it off air, but I really want to talk about like the the other road we might take, which is where if we think Davis Bills is any good and we sign him what that does to our franchise. And I want to use Kyler Murray as the model because that's, that's the latest young quarterback <laughs> contract, right? So like Davis Mills, if he's the starter, he's going to ask for something like that, right? He has to. Oh my gosh. If we get down this road, <laughs> we're never going to finish folks. So not tonight. Not let's tonight. get another, out of here. Episode. I want to, when we don't know what to talk about, that's what we're going to talk about. Another night, another night. All right, we'll we'll let you we'll let you go on the Kyler Murray it's rant at some he's, point. He's ruining. Oh, they're a bad franchise anyway. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> All right, folks. Everyone, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll be back later this week. We want to make sure that we are previewing the Texans and the Dolphins this Sunday. I hope all of you travel safe if you are traveling to see family, friends, whoever it may be. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Hopefully you get some time off this weekend to enjoy it. Kick back. Have some good food. Have a, have a beverage of choice. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. And from all of us here at Battle Red Radio, happy Thanksgiving. And we will be back later this week. Co-host Corey DLG, producer Nico, and of course myself, Colton Molesky. Thank you for listening. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Battle Red Radio.